continuing to look uh, at the Sermon on the Mount today, and in particular, we're going to continue to look at what Jesus says about relationships. Last week, we started talking about the fact that Jesus really is concerned about how we handle our anger and also how powerful our words are. And we talked about the ripple effect that goes out from every life, either for good or for ill. You may not think you matter much in this world, but you do. Every person you come in contact with, you make a difference in their lives. I can remember when I was a little kid and uh, going out, and not just a little kid, even whenever I was in high school, we had a lake back behind our house. And some days it would be so still. And I could take a rock or a shell and throw it out in the middle of the lake. And it would make one little splash spot. And then you could watch the ripple become a wave that would go all the way to the shore. That one little rock would affect the entire lake. It would uh, make a big difference. And so it is with us that whatever when we make a difference, and we talked about this last week, about how uh, the words that we say and the things that we do can make a difference for years and generations to come. And words are powerful tools to heal or to destroy. And we're going to be held accountable one of these days for every word, every idle word, it says, that we utter in this life. I'd like to share with you somebody that realized this. The prophet Isaiah, uh, whenever he was called into ministry, uh, what happened was good king Uzziah had died. And the king that was in line to take things over was a bad guy. And Isaiah was so concerned with what was going to be happening to the nation of Israel. And he uh, said that uh, he was so concerned that he went to the temple to pray. And he bowed down there. And he was just bearing his soul before God because he was so concerned about the future of his country. And he just saw it all going to pot. I know y'all can't can't relate to that today, can you? But uh, things are just getting so bad today, aren't they? And so we can take a few hints from Isaiah today. And so I'm going to start with uh, verse with, I'm sorry, chapter 6 with verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, 
Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. May God add his blessing to the reading of his words this morning. You know, uh, Isaiah went into the temple. He was a godly man. He believed in God. He loved God. But there was something missing from his life. And what was missing was the knowledge that God was still in control. That no matter what the conditions were around him, God was still on his throne. And what happened was uh, whenever the, the whatever God revealed himself to Isaiah, it transformed him instantly. So many people think that uh, the transforming power of Jesus Christ is something that takes place over a period of time. Well, let me tell you, whenever you come into the presence of God, it does something to you. It did something to John Wesley, the founder of our denomination. It does something to each one of us when we are touched with his presence. And the first thing that happened to Isaiah, whenever he was in the presence of Almighty God, all of a sudden he realized all the words that he had spoken. He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. That doesn't mean that he cussed all the time. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the things that came out of his mouth weren't glorifying to God. The things that came out of his mouth were not acceptable to God. And so it is with us, if we really stop and think about it, Many times, if we aren't aware, if we haven't really thought about it, the things out of our mouth aren't acceptable to God. James says it very differently whenever he says, uh, out of our mouths come blessings and cursings. And he says, brethren, it shouldn't be so. You see, there's that ripple effect again, blessings and cursings. And so we need to stop and ask ourselves this morning, What's been coming out of our mouths? Are our lips clean or are they unclean? Another thing that Isaiah saw that ties in with, uh, with the fact that this is World Communion Sunday is he said, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He realized that just as his sin was so evident so was everyone else's. And so he wasn't separating himself from anyone else. He realized we're all in this boat together and we're all sinful people that need something before we can even be in the presence of God. And what does God do? As he realized 
Remember when the Beatitudes, the first one is about blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Isaiah at this point realizes his poverty of spirit. He is separated from God because of his mouth and there's nothing that he can do to undo it. He can't take back one hurtful word. He can't undo one thing that he has done that's wrong. He can't take back any of the, now he realizes blasphemous things that he said about God. He can't take back a one, and yet God in his mercy takes the tongs, and well, he sends his messenger to take the tongue and touch his lips with a coal and says, now your lips are clean. We've all been unclean, and through the precious blood of Jesus, each one of us has been made clean so that we can survive being in the presence of a holy God. Not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness that he has given us. And so uh, on this Communion Sunday, we realize and we recognize and we join with many, many around the world who have been touched and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. And we gather at this altar And as we celebrate his presence in a very special way in our lives, we recognize what we say when we say the Apostles' Creed, that we believe in the communion of saints, the unity of all of those who have been made righteous, all of those who have been made holy, not through our own works, but through the works of the one who died for us. We share a Savior, and because of that, We are different. And I share this to kind of uh, uh, bring us back to the fact about uh, when it comes to anger and what Jesus had to say about it, uh, it's so important because anger hurts. Anger destroys. Remember, anger is a defense mechanism. And you'll see this on your, uh, where it says, what is anger? Anger is a defense mechanism. And uh, it's given to us to keep us from being hurt more. Have you noticed whenever you get a lot of stuff piled up on your plate and you're emotionally and you're hurting, that uh, you're prone to snap at people more easily? That's because you can only stand so much pain. And anger is a mechanism, defense mechanism. It puts a wall between you and others to keep from being hurt more. But in doing so, it separates you from other people and it separates you from God. So it's a, de- it's a mechanism, a defense mechanism, and it's a gift from God because it is, like I said last week, it's like the red light on a dashboard. When the red light starts flashing, that means you need to pull over and do something about the problem. You need to stop right then and take care of the problem. Now, it would be nice if you could just reach under the dashboard and pull the wire loose and uh, solve the problem by stopping the light from flashing by disconnecting it. And that's what people try to do with drugs a lot of times. And, and sometimes that's necessary. But uh, generally, uh, something, whenever there's a red light flashing emotionally, God has a solution. And he's wanting you to avail yourself to his solution. 
It's not just that you need to dull the glow of the red light. Instead, you need to take heed and take care of what the problem is. Anger, uh, there's several sources. I'll get to those in just a minute. I just remembered a story about uh, there was this guy who got his paycheck and he went and cashed it. And as he was coming home, he saw a casino there and he thought, I'll just see if I can increase my paycheck a bit. He pulled in there and he began to win and he won and he won and he continued to win. He played through Friday night. He played all through Saturday and through Saturday night and he just kept winning. And what he was thinking is, I'm just winning so much money. I'm going to be able to bless my wife so much with what I win. And uh, then all of a sudden it dawned on him on Sunday morning, you know, she didn't even know where I am. He just got so caught up in what he was doing. And so he boogied on home and he went in so excited and said, honey, I just won all this money and I'm going to be able to do this for you. And this, and she says, where have you been? He said, but do, 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 listen to me. I've got, we're going to be, and, and, and she said, how would you feel if I disappeared for two days and you never even knew where I was? And he said, he was just taken aback with her anger and he responded and he said, that'd be fine with me. And you know what? He didn't see her the rest of that day. And he didn't see her on Monday. And he didn't see her on Tuesday. He didn't see her on Wednesday. On Thursday, he got where he could see her just a little bit out of the the right eye as the swelling began to go down. So, uh, but the thing is, anger, uncontrolled, can damage people. I know that's a stretch, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we need to use it as a self-analytical tool. And what I'm going to share with you right now has made all the difference in my relational life and in my spiritual life. Because whenever you find yourself getting angry, like I said, it's like a red light on a dashboard and something needs to be done about it. And let's face it, God doesn't expect you to do anything about anything that you can't do something about. And we are told several times in Scripture that we need to handle our anger rightly. So the sources of anger are fear, frustration, and uh, pain, and injustice. Those are the sources of anger. Frustration and pain, sometimes it's hard to pull them apart. You stop and think about it. Uh, Words can hurt, just like that husband's words hurt his wife whenever he said he wouldn't care if he didn't see her for three days or two days. But words can hurt. So the sources are fear, frustration, pain, and injustice. And so whenever you wind up uh, uh, feeling angry, you need to stop and ask yourself, how am I feeling angry? I mean, what's, what, what's the cause of this? Why am I angry? Am I, am I afraid of something? Is this a, a fight or flight uh, thing coming into play here? Whenever you're threatened, you see, you're going to get angry. 
and get you ready to fight or to flee? Uh, or am I frustrated? Has somebody done something over and over and over again and they just keep on doing it? And maybe they apologize and say they won't do it anymore and then they do it again and again. That can be very frustrating and it can hurt. It can hurt whenever, uh, and it, see this is where it can go over into into uh, pain because when somebody just doesn't listen to you, and whatever their words don't matter, then it gets to where you can't believe them. And so uh, it just hurts. And then there's pain, the, the physical pain. Some people hurt each other physically. Some people hurt, hurt, people hurt each other verbally. And some people hurt each other emotionally by even withholding affection and things like that. There's lots of ways that we hurt each other and inflict pain through our anger. One of the things I hate to see is whenever I, I run across couples many times that uh, whenever some, whenever they are hurt, they think they need to hurt back. And so whenever they wind up being hurt, instead of uh, uh, trying to handle it in the right way, they just try to inflict more pain on the other person than that person inflicted on them. And sometimes, this is where it gets really interesting, sometimes the pain that they're feeling is uncalled for. Jesus says that whenever you are angry with your brother or your sister, you can put in there, without a cause, that's the same as committing murder. And it does. It separates whatever's without a cause. And that's why I gave you this other sheet. And I want you to look at this sheet. And this ties in with uh, what happened to Isaiah. You see the, t turn it over so you see the side that says worldly worldview. You see the great big circle in the middle. There are a lot of people, a whole lot of people that go through life, their life. And this is their worldview. Their worldview is I am the center of the universe and everything should line up with the way that I want it to be. And some of them go so far as to think, and I can only be happy if things go the way that uh, I want them to go. And some of them will go so far as saying, God wants me happy and that's his jobs to make me happy. And so when they're not happy, they even get mad at God. There's so many people that they're, they are the focal point of their universe. And because of that, they get frustrated when things don't go their way. They get frustrated when people don't hold the views of the world that they think that they ought to hold. They get frustrated if uh, somebody can't see why their political affiliation is the best and everybody else ought to be on board with them. They get frustrated whenever uh, they have an idea and other people don't think it's a good idea. Uh, they get frustrated. They get angry when uh, uh, they're in a hurry to get somewhere and the light turns red and slows them down. They'll get angry at the red light. They'll get angry at the person that stopped at the light in front of them when it was turning yellow from yellow to red instead of going on through it so they could kind of run it, you know, they get angry and they live lives just being angry all the time. They'll get angry at their car when the battery goes dead and get out and kick their car. You know, I mean, 
Have you ever seen people like that? There's some people that just will get angry at the tip of a hat because of this. Their universe revolves around them. And if you look, there are different sizes of people around there. And uh, But none of those other people says you, none of those other people are of the magnitude that they are. There's some people that matter a lot to them, and there are a whole lot of people that don't matter much at all to them. And the only way that they matter is how they relate to them. They failed to realize something. And you see where God is? He's up over here in the corner. He's super Santa Claus that's supposed to be just answering their prayers and taking care of things for them. And then they get frustrated at him when he doesn't handle things the way that they told him he ought to do. And you see, this is kind of the mindset, I imagine, that Isaiah went into the temple with. His God wasn't big enough. And so he went in to plead with God to do some things differently, to voice his concerns. And what he realized before it was all over was that uh, God didn't need his suggestions. God didn't need his ideas. God didn't need his instructions. God had everything under control. And all of a sudden, he realized where he was. You know, I told you that, or I told you early on, the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is when you are given, or when, when you don't receive something that you deserve. In the presence of a holy God, Isaiah realized that what he deserved was to be just transformed into a pile of ash there on the floor of the temple. But instead, what he got was something he did not deserve. He wound up receiving God's grace. God is merciful and God is gracious. And, uh, and, and as he did so, all of a sudden he realized how he should be relating to God and that God was just as merciful and gracious to all the people around him. And all of a sudden his worldview changed in an instant and flipped the page over and you'll see what a Christian's worldview should be like. The center of everything and the ruler over everything is God. And yes, in him we live and move and breathe and have our being. And everyone else, as special as we are to him, and you are special to God, don't get me wrong. You, if there was only one person on the face of this earth and when he was in, that Jesus would die, and you were that person, Jesus would have died on the cross for you. But you see that person sitting next to you? If they, he or she was the only person on earth, he'd have died for them. He values you immensely, just like you're his only child. But he values everyone around you just as much as he values you. And he's going to unpack this more in the days ahead. But you see, when your worldview changes, it does away with a whole lot of frustration and replaces it with respect and with love. Where all of a sudden, if you realize how much God loves you and you love him for just being God 
and you want to please him and you realize that all these people around you are in some way you're, you're responsible for them that he put us all here to help each other through this mess called life in the in-between before he comes back again, all of a sudden things take on a different light and you see things differently. Well, I have gone way too long and I haven't covered near what I wanted to. So we'll continue this again next week and uh, with part three of relationships. But this is a good place to stop because it is Worldwide Communion Sunday. And I think it's appropriate that we stop here when we realize that we all were in need of God's grace. We're in need of his mercy. And he gave both, not to us, just us, but to all those around the world that are celebrating communion with us this morning.